the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt. Welcome to the interview with Hugh Hewitt, sponsored by AndrewandTodd.com. Andrew and Todd are with Sierra Pacific Mortgage. They help you with all your real estate lending needs. If you're refinancing your home, if you're buying a new home, if you're a senior who wants a reverse mortgage, if you're a veteran who doesn't want to put any money down, whatever it is, if you're in the private real estate market for yourself, and maybe you want an investment property, try AndrewandTodd.com or call 888 Now on to the interview with Hugh Hewitt. Morning, Glory America. I'm Hugh Hewitt inside the Beltway on Wednesday, August the 25th in the year 2021. America is rushing towards its greatest crisis since 9-11, and perhaps one with far worse impacts on the national character. For on that terrible day 20 years ago, Americans from New York's finest to the passengers on Flight 93 to the Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld on the lawn of the Pentagon, they all ran towards the danger, not away from it. 20 years ago, the country rallied together to save people, then grieve and comfort and then avenge. Now, two decades later, we are leaving Americans and our allies abandoned to the same enemies that brought about that attack in 2001. What a terrible blow to the national soul. Joe Biden's legacy will be this indelible act of cowardice unless he changes course. But we have to pray and work to get him to change course, to stay until all Americans get out and as many allies as is humanly possible. Let's begin with Leader McConnell. Last night with Bill Hammer and Dana Perino, yesterday with Dana Perino and Bill Hammer, cut number 15. Uh, Dana, you listed all the critics. It's our NATO allies. And by the way, the NATO allies were there with us. We weren't there all by ourselves. Uh, Everybody in our, uh, all of our allies realized that this decision has greatly weakened our efforts in the war on terror. Uh, The war on terror could be fought two places, over there or over here. And the strategy since 9-11 has actually worked. We've not had another foreign-inspired terrorist attack in the United States in 20 years. We had finally evolved into a policy that was actually working in Afghanistan as well. With a very light footprint, we were keeping the lid on. The barbarians were not in charge of the government. Of course, it was not a Jeffersonian democracy. That's not why we went there in the first place. This was not about nation building. It was about protecting us here at home from foreign terrorist attacks. There are some who believe the president pulled the plug because he wanted the symbolism for 9-11 20 years removed. Do you think that's true? Well, I think every president has been tempted by the poll question. If you ask Americans if we've been there too long, they're likely to say yes. If you provide some context, you'd get a totally different answer. My guess is Americans would probably think we've been in Germany, Japan, and South Korea too long if we, if we ask them that question. You have to provide the context. In the war on terror, the idea was to try to combat the terrorists overseas so they could not successfully attack us here at home. That's the mission. It worked. 
and the president's reckless decision uh, to precipitously withdraw was a clear mistake. And then having no plan to execute the withdrawal was an even bigger mistake. This was a foreign policy blunder of gargantuan proportions that's a stain on our national reputation and be, will be remembered for decades. Yeah. It will forever define Joe Biden as the president who ran away and who has abandoned Americans. Cut number 16, more Leader McConnell. I, I think it's a lot worse than, than Saigon in 1975. There weren't terrorists in Vietnam uh, threatening to attack us here on U.S. soil. Uh, <laughs> this is dramatically worse than Saigon in 1975 because al-Qaeda on the way back in, the same group with allied terrorist organizations that want to hit us here at home will be able to operate freely uh, throughout Afghanistan. So this is considerably worse than the fall of Saigon. Let's go to Congressman Michael Waltz, cut number 13, as he sums up what we are facing if Joe Biden does not depart from his plans. I served on the ground multiple tours as a Green Beret in Afghanistan. I want to show you a few things and tell you about some of the losses that we've occurred and what the Taliban mindset is. I have here what they called a night letter from the Taliban that I leave hanging on my office wall. This letter was sent not to American military, the Afghan military, it was sent to a school principal. Told him that if he didn't get out of town, he would be beheaded within 24 hours. You know what his crime was? Teaching girls. He stood his ground. They didn't get him, but they got his brother, beheaded him, burnt the school to the ground, chased him and his family into hiding. I leave this up as a reminder of the evil that we're dealing with and what we're condemning these people to. We've talked about our interpreters and our allies. I had one. The guy was such a fighter. We called him Little Spartacus. Spartacus was on the waiting list for the SIV program. He was found at a Taliban checkpoint with American documentation on him. You know what they did? They took him back to his village, beheaded his brothers and his cousins in front of him, and then him to send a message. That's what thousands of American citizens, and let me use this word, stranded, in Afghanistan right now are facing. We are on the cusp of the biggest mass hostage crisis this country has ever seen. This will make 1979 in Tehran look like a sleepover. We cannot abandon Americans. We never leave a fallen comrade. And if Joe Biden doesn't extend that deadline and tell the Taliban we are going to extend it or else we're going to leave Americans behind 11 days before the 20th anniversary of September 11th. Are you kidding me? Is that what's really happening right down the street on Pennsylvania Avenue? We stood here bipartisan in April as soon as he made that announcement and said, if you don't start getting people out right now, you are giving them a death sentence. If you pull our military assets out before you get Americans or allies out, you're consigning them to death, like this school principal and his family. Final thing, 
America is going to face al-Qaeda 3.0. The intelligence community has been clear and has briefed us repeatedly. The Taliban taking over means al-Qaeda 3.0 comes roaring back. Except now we're in a worse position than we were before 2001. We have no bases in the region. Our local allies are being hunted down as we speak. And as you've heard today, the Taliban are going to be armed to the teeth so that when future American soldiers have to go back in to deal with the problem and deal with the incompetence of this administration, how many are going to die now? Because they're going to have to fight their way through our own equipment, our own damn equipment to deal with al-Qaeda 3.0. Are we going to have another Pulse nightclub? Are we going to have another San Bernardino? Are we going to have another 9-11 because of that incompetence? Well, this Congress is going to lead. Our offices right now are operations centers calling gate guards, calling the Kabul airport, guiding people through, telling them how to avoid Taliban checkpoints, our own Congress. It's unbelievable, the lack of leadership. So I 100% agree that blood is and will be on Joe Biden's hands, and this Congress will hold him accountable. This is a bipartisan sentiment. Representative Raja Krishna Mori is a Democrat on the House Intel Committee, cut number 19. I respectfully submit that we have to stay until we get our, uh, certainly our American citizens out and as many of our Afghan allies is out as possible. Um, the one thing that probably everybody knows now is that there's also a terrorist threat from ISIS Khorasan, uh, and, and we have to be mindful of that. But at the end of the day, we cannot leave Americans behind who want to get out. To that point, based on what you're learning, do you have a sense of how long that might take beyond the August 31st deadline? I don't. And this is a a piece of information that um, I understand is fluid, uh, but unfortunately, we don't have a lot of precision on uh, the issue of, you know, the number of Americans left in Afghanistan who want to leave. We don't have a a good understanding of the number of SIV people who are left who want to leave. And so I think that the lowest number um, of Americans, the lowest number is 5,000. Representative Andy Kim, Democrat, last cut cut in this segment, cut 20. This effort is one that has certainly led me to believe that that the mission is not something that we can accomplish by the end of this month. And I strongly, urgently urge the president to reconsider uh, his uh, continued uh, aim towards August 31st to be able to get uh, our mission done. We will not be able to get our mission done by that time uh, based off of what I've seen and based off of what we've experienced so far. Unless the president, unless the president changes his decision, this will be his legacy, an indelible stain on his name and everyone who works for him. We cannot leave Americans behind. We cannot. The mission must last as long as there are Americans to rescue. We send our warriors to get Americans, not to run away from them. I'm Hugh Hewitt. I'll be right back. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Going over the reactions of the president's scurrilous and and cowardly announcement that we are leaving Americans behind. He's got to change his mind. Congressman Mike Gallagher took to the floor of the House yesterday. Cut number 18. Thank you. Madam Speaker, I rise today to urge defeat of the previous question so that we can consider my bill 5071 to ensure no Americans are left behind in Afghanistan. Over the past week, we've all seen the horrifying images coming out of Kabul. 
babies being passed over barbed wire, two-year-olds trampled to death, bodies falling from C-17s. These pictures are now forever painted onto American history, and they don't depict the orderly withdrawal that the president promised. These are instead portraits of chaos, of tragedy, and dishonor. And yet the administration assures us they planned for every contingency. Was the plan for America to give billions of dollars worth of U.S. military equipment to the Taliban? Was the plan to put terrorists effectively in charge of security around the Kabul airport? Was the plan to leave over 10,000 American citizens stranded behind enemy lines? Madam Speaker, if this was the plan, a plan to surrender so incompetently and on such ignominious terms, then our country can't withstand any more of this administration's plans. It's time for this body, this Congress, to act to hold the administration accountable and save lives. This bill would do that by requiring daily reporting to Congress on the number of Americans left in the country and the number of Afghan allies that are seeking refuge. The bill also critically prohibits the president from withdrawing our forces until all Americans who want out are safely out of the country. Right now, it seems, the president is doubling down on this August 31st withdrawal date, despite strong bipartisan opposition and pushback. Make no mistake, if we get out on August 31st, we are going to condemn thousands to death. I don't care what secret side deal was struck with the Taliban. This is America. We don't leave anybody behind. A great country such as ours takes care of our citizens and our allies. Our enemies are mocking our surrender right now. We've all seen the images. The Taliban, for example, just mocked the iconic image of Marines raising the flag over Iwo Jima. It may be too late to save face because of this debacle, but it is not too late to save lives. This isn't a news cycle that will blow over. This isn't a narrative that you can spin. We are talking about American lives. And we're talking about America's honor. Let's act now before this crisis and with it, America's standing in the world deteriorates even further. In 1904, the very first famous hostage crisis occurred on the watch of Teddy Roosevelt. A man named Perdicaris was taken hostage by Tunisian, I believe, pirates. And TR issued a threat. Cardis alive or Razuli dead. And since then, we have used a mixture of sticks and carrots. We have never threatened to abandon Americans. Never. That is Joe Biden's innovation. The terrible one. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt inside the Beltway. The morning after a disastrous speech by Joe Biden, his fourth attempt, incoherent still, to explain why he is on the verge of abandoning hundreds, if not thousands, of Americans. I hope it's not 10,000 Americans, but it could be. They won't tell us anything. 
and at least tens of thousands of allies who assisted our troops over 20 years of conflict. Congressman Mike McCall, ranking Republican on the House Foreign Affairs Committee, also reminded us of the threat that remains from al-Qaeda in the country. Cut number 12. You know, we should be talking about Afghanistan this week. We should have we should have a resolution on the floor. But instead, you know, Pelosi had to cut the you know, our, our classified briefing short so she can negotiate this three point five trillion dollar, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bill, uh, massive tax and, and spending. Um, I, I think that we need to be focused on this at hand. Yeah. The, the administration obviously had no plan or strategy. They allowed um, this uh, fantasy dream that we could negotiate with the Taliban all the way to the end. And now we can't get all of our American citizens uh, out of Afghanistan. It will have long term consequences to our national security. Yeah. Uh, and, we and, will be talking about this for a while. And let, let me ask you about that, because, you know, you, 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 you are now with House Foreign Affairs. You were the chairman of the Homeland Security Committee with the Taliban back in charge of Afghanistan, with ISIS still there, with Al Qaeda still there. Paint me a scenario of what Afghanistan is going to be like in terms of potential threat to the United States six months or a year out. Well, when I chaired Homeland Security, the ISIS and the caliphate were on the rise uh, in Iraq and Syria. Uh, I had briefings, uh, probably one external operation per month that we had to stop, that we were planning to kill Americans or allies. Uh, We're going back to pre-9-11. There are probably more al-Qaeda in Afghanistan now than pre-9-11. And with that, John, the threat's going to return. They will conduct external operations. And what I worry about most as I did when I was chairman of Homeland, was the border itself, which is so wide open that these special interest aliens on the terror watch list can now get into the United States. That is going to be the big threat moving forward. Congressman Jim Banks, chairman of the House Republican Study Committee, also on the Armed Services Committee, reminded people of exactly how much more dangerous al-Qaeda and other terrorists in Afghanistan have become in the intervening 20 years. Cut number 14. I wore the uniform proudly in 2014 and 15 when I deployed to Afghanistan, and I served on the front lines of the effort there to train, advise, and equip the Afghan army and the Afghan police. As a foreign military sales officer, my job was to help on the front end and the back end of acquiring American military equipment to turn it over to the Afghans and train them on how to use it. So you can imagine how shameful I find it that today all of that equipment has fallen into the hands of the Taliban. Because of the negligence of this administration and the hasty retreat that they led out of Afghanistan, they have left $85 billion worth of American equipment in the hands of our enemy, the Taliban. 75,000 vehicles, over 200 airplanes and helicopters, over 600,000 small arms and light weapons. The Taliban now has more Black Hawk helicopters than 85% of the countries in the world. But it's not just weapons. They have night vision goggles, body armor, and unbelievably, the Taliban now has biometric devices, which have the fingerprints, eye scans, and biographical information of all of the Afghans who helped us and were on our side over the last 20 years. There is no plan by this administration to get those weapons back. There is no plan to account for any of this equipment or these weapons. 
I can tell you that uh, members of the Armed Services Committee on the Republican side will be fighting for amendments to the National Defense Authorization Act next week when we mark up that important bill to do what the, what the Biden administration has failed to do. Let me be very clear. If any American is harmed, injured, or killed and not safely evacuated out of Afghanistan, or if any of these weapons or this military equipment is used to harm, injure, or kill an American now or at any time in the future, the blood is on Joe Biden's hands. House GOP leader Kevin McCarthy then stepped to the podium, cut number 11. We have all just left the briefing. It is a classified briefing. Cannot talk about what was said inside, but I'll tell you this. I'm less confident after leaving that briefing. There's no possible way that we can get every American that's still in Afghanistan out in the next seven days. We are just three weeks away from the 20th anniversary of 9-11. At no time should America ever bend or allow the Taliban to tell us when we have to stop bringing Americans out. We should stay until every single American is able to get out of Afghanistan. And we should use every recourse possible to make that happen. And we should not negotiate it. We should explain that this is what is going to happen. And anybody in our way to stop us from bringing an American out will be in danger. I have a number of members that are here. Unfortunately, much like our other Briefings. It was cut off short. There are members still online and veterans who wish to ask questions. The Democrats felt that we could only have the 90 minutes, no other time. As I watch other countries and our allies across this world bring their bodies back together of government to work on how to bring their citizens home, the Democrats bring us back to spend trillions of dollars. They fight because they can't bring a rule up. They spend their time on phones trying to twist arms to get people to vote, whereas they should drop that. And our entire focus, Republican, Democrat, independent alike, should be nothing else than bringing our Americans home. We should Actually, write Richard Engel of NBC News on MSNBC last night, cut 26. If you step back and you look at what is going on, this is the United States after 20 years. This war used to be called Operation uh, Enduring Freedom. And it's turned out not to be enduring, and they're not leaving behind a society that is free. It is only free according to what the Taliban says it will be free. If the Taliban promises that it will be free. So uh, you could also look at this as a tremendously humiliating humi uh, moment of American humiliation, right. leaving, forced to leave on the Taliban's clock uh, and, and with the Taliban's good graces. So tactically, it makes sense. But I'm not sure how history will. I it think does not make happen. sense tactically. We are abandoning Americans for the first time in our history. Lindsey Graham was on Hannity's show last night. He said this to Sean, cut number 34. Well, number one, you got the vice president of the United States talking about what you should do for Christmas in the middle of the biggest splendor since 9-11. You know, ISIS and al-Qaeda have got to be licking their chops after hearing this. 
What happened here? Biden made a political decision to get everybody, all the troops out by September the 11th. He didn't care about those who helped us. He didn't think through how to get the American citizens out first. He had a political goal. And when the Taliban were advancing, he didn't realize this puts everything into a chaotic environment. Uh, as to what to do next, uh, it's over. It is over. Joe Biden has made up his mind. He's capitulated to the Taliban. Everything that Ali North said is right, we should do. But we now left thousands of people behind and we're setting the stage for another 9-11. Joe Biden created a perfect storm to abandon those who helped us and create another 9-11 uh, for this country. You know what I'm worried about in Christmas? I'm worried about an al-Qaeda or uh, ISIS attack against the United States coming from Afghanistan. That's what I'm worried about this Christmas. This is bipartisan concern. This is not a partisan attack on an incompetent and indeed distant president. Jason Crow, Democrat of Colorado, cut number 33. This is not without risk. I think we should be extremely clear about this. This is a, a very complicated, very high-risk mission. But uh, I think we also have to be clear that uh, if we aren't willing to use the U.S. military to protect U.S. citizens uh, and, our, and our partners and our friends— then what will we use our military for? This falls squarely within the wheelhouse of why we have the biggest, strongest military in the world, and that is to protect our people. Of course it does. Jason Crow, you are right. An Afghan, unknown name, outside the airport, summing it up. Cut number 31. And their parents are inside and their children are outside. Right here, they're standing right here. Amid the chaos, we were shown two children apparently left behind when their parents were among the few to be admitted here. Mr. Biden, you did this, you planned this, you made the deal with the Taliban. This is the consequences of it. This is the repercussions of it. Mr. Biden, it's your ill calculation. You were against Trump, now we are against you. Go to hell, Biden! They are, of course, angry with the president because he is abandoning them. But the American citizens have to be afraid of showing their faces. We don't even know how many there are. Ian Parnell on ABC New World News Tonight with David Muir last night, summing up 37. Tens of thousands have now fled, but many still unable to get through. I pressed General Sullivan, who's in charge of civilian evacuations on the base, whether all Afghans who helped the U.S. mission will be evacuated from the country. How confident are you that all American citizens who want to leave, all Afghans who risk their lives to help us in this mission, will get out in the next seven days? And so I, what I can guarantee is we will get as many out as we possibly can with the time we have available. Which uh, implies some will be left behind. I, or could I won't be. speculate that, on that. All I can say is we will get as many out as we possibly can. And so let's bring in Ian Panel reporting from the airport in Kabul for us again tonight. And Ian, I want to get back to what the president said just before we came on the air tonight. He said this August 31st deadline to withdraw all U.S. troops uh, depends on the Taliban continuing to cooperate. The president also saying he's mindful of the increasing risks on the ground there, not only from ISIS, but from the Taliban itself so far cooperating with the U.S. But the president said there's a serious risk of that breaking down at some point as well. Uh, give us a sense here. You're at the airport. How do you get all of the Americans out, all of the Afghans who helped us out and U.S. troops out by one week from today? 
I mean, that is the key question, David, and I just don't see how that is possible. Perhaps, perhaps you can get all American citizens out. We've seen a massive uptick in the number of airlifts, people going through this site here. The Marines are working around the clock to try and facilitate getting people onto the camp and out of the country. But this is a huge base. There are thousands of troops here, and it's going to take days just to get the troops out, to retrograde the base, and that means there's a very narrow window to get the people into the camp and out of the country. And it seems to me it's going to be almost impossible to guarantee that the Afghans who risk their lives to help us to get them out of the country. David? Priority number one, Americans. Priority number two, allies. If we get the Americans out, it will be a fiasco, but not an abandonment of fellow citizens. Let us wait and see and pray that we get them out. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt inside the Beltway. Condemnations of President Biden's scurrilous decision to abandon Americans have been bipartisan and widespread. So of the predictions of disaster looming, Jay Johnson, former Secretary of Homeland Security under President Obama, went on MSNBC yesterday and said this, cut 36. And I, I believe that the situation at the airport is going to get a lot worse before it gets better. This is a country of 38 million people. We've got to deal with the the American citizens, those who qualify for special uh, immigrant visas, but then those who will also qualify for refugee status under our laws. And that population could snowball. Snowball. The priority two contractor assistants aren't even mentioned by Secretary Johnson. Final cut, John Roberts on Fox News that leads me to the Telegraph's editorial. Cut number 29, John Roberts on Fox. There's been some new developments in that as well. There was a a virtual meeting of the G7 leaders this morning. According to Reuters, Boris Johnson, the U.K. prime minister, has said that the G7 had an agreement that it would tell the Taliban that it's going to take longer than August the 31st to get everybody out, that the Taliban just has to deal with that. And then... That whole thing was undercut by the White House coming out and saying that President Biden is going to adhere to the August 31st deadline. And in the middle of all this, we appear to have the Taliban pushing the modern world around. Where are we here? Where are we is in a calamity. The Wall Street Journal's lead editorial this morning is Biden's rush to the Afghan exits, but it's not the most important piece today. That is here in my hand from the British newspaper, The Telegraph. Titled, it's by Nick Allen, the U.S. editor of The Telegraph. Joe Biden's betrayal. Allies can never trust this president again. Pointless G7 meeting framed one of America's most embarrassing retreats as its great success. It begins. Joe Biden gave a speech on Tuesday night that was an affront to his allies, to desperate Afghans, and to the American public. After 20 years of the United States' longest war, its commander-in-chief spoke for less than 13 minutes. And he spent the first five of those minutes talking about his domestic economic agenda. Now to Afghanistan, Mr. Biden said, eventually, as many wondered if he had forgotten there was an international crisis going on. The eagerly awaited address at the White House Roosevelt Room, which was billed as the president's response to the Afghanistan crisis, had TV networks waiting for hours with bated breath. It was then inexplicably delayed several times, ultimately for five hours. What was Mr. Biden agonizing over all afternoon? Perhaps it was whether or not to tell the truth about his hasty and disastrous withdrawal. In the end, Biden tried to hoodwink viewers in the U.S. instead. According to Mr. Biden, there was strong agreement between leaders he had spoken to virtually in a G7 meeting. There wasn't. 
The U.K., France, and Germany all wanted to extend the August 31st deadline. The U.S. president didn't. Mr. Biden then reeled off figures about how many planes had taken off from the Kabul airport, framing this most embarrassing retreat as a great success. The deadline could not be pushed back, he added, because the U.S. military was at risk of a terrorist attack. But surely that's why they were in Afghanistan in the first place, to take out terrorists. As for the G7 meeting, it was no consultation with allies, as Mr. Biden suggested in his speech. The president had already made his decision beforehand not to extend the evacuation deadline. He told Boris Johnson that in no uncertain terms on the phone the previous evening. So what was the point of having a meeting at all? It was for Mr. Biden, as he is wont to do, paying lip service to U.S. allies. Minutes after the G7 meeting was over, the White House released a prepared statement confirming that he would not be taking a blind bit of notice of them. According to one of the White House insider who previously worked with Mr. Biden, the two chief architects of Afghan policy, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, Secretary of State Tony Blinken, they've never really meant what they said about the importance of alliances. It's just slogans. Quote, having worked with a lot of these guys, they believe their own rhetoric and don't feel that it compels them to actually take firm steps, the source said. A lot of them were convinced simply by showing up in Cornwall for the G7 and saying the right things to leaders that the U.K. would be sufficient, that they, the Brits, would think at least he, Mr. Biden, isn't throwing tweets at us. There's a disconnect between what he, Mr. Biden, is telling leaders and the public and what's happening. As for Mr. Biden's speech, it was sold as an update on efforts to rescue Americans and vulnerable Afghans from the nightmare of Taliban rule. But with an audience of millions tuning in, Mr. Biden instead used it to score political points, promoting his infrastructure bill. It was shameful. That's Nick Allen in The Telegraph. It was shameful. This is a crisis of the national soul. It is as bad, if not worse, than 9-11. Thousands more died, although we don't know how many people will die as a result of this. It will be tens of thousands in Afghanistan. I don't know how many Americans there are. We don't know how many are going to get out. It's going to be the biggest hostage crisis in American history. We have never abandoned Americans to terrorists before. This, this Biden legacy will simply be indelible act of cowardice unless he changes course. So pray that he does. Call your congressman, call your senator, send notes to the White House. He is trying to resolutely ask and ask you to pay no attention to the man behind the curtain, to turn the page, to look at the trillion dollars in spending, to worry about COVID, anything except his utterly, utterly feckless disaster in Afghanistan. More ahead on The Hugh Hewitt Show. That concludes today's episode of The Interview with Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening. Make sure you come back and check out all the other podcasts on the Salem Podcast Network. And remember to thank our sponsors, andrewandtodd.com. If you believe in long-form interviews like I do, then do your real estate transactions with Andrew Del Rey and Todd Avakian. I've known both men for a long time. Andrewandtodd.com. Go there, answer a couple of questions. They'll tell you what's best to do with your house or call them at 888-888-1172. You'll be glad you did, and you'll be glad that you listened to the next episode of The Interview. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.